Uh, dear Jesus, thank you so much for uh, giving us a God we can follow, one who actually does lead us, who doesn't sit far away from us and make us try to get to him by what we do or say or even think. But you are a God who comes down right into our faces, gives us a hug, sets a pace, and gives us someone that we can follow in the real world. Today, as we talk about counting the cost even more, as we share the idea of being changed into people who will fish for other people, we ask that you open our eyes to see you, open our hearts to receive you in a new way. Open our faith lives so that we may take yet another step after you. Show us what it is you would have us to become as your followers. We study you and we love you because we worship you. In your name we pray. Together we say amen and amen. Well, the context of the passage that Tony read just a few minutes ago and that V referred to is in Luke chapter 5. So if you've got a mobile device with version, or you want to Google it or if you've got an old-fashioned paper Bible and want to open that up to Luke chapter 5, it's going to be really important as we study God's Word and turn into disciples that we actually see the Scriptures in front of us and witness what the Lord says in front of our own eyes. So this is training for that. So I'd invite you to open up the Scriptures and have them in front of you today. And what we see in this story is a very provocative uh, twist on what was happening live in the lives of those gentlemen who were in the boat and fishing, as Tony said, all night and catching how much fish? None. They were literally out there in the middle of the night on the Sea of Galilee, striving for their breakfast for the next morning, and they came up short. There was nothing there. They absolutely had no result of all their efforts. And then Jesus comes along and gets right up to them and says, okay, go ahead and lower the nets again. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of message would have sounded crazy to me at the time. And it probably sounded crazy to Peter, who was that guy who, you know, jumped out of the boat and did all kinds of crazy stuff without thinking about it. But we're going to look at why Peter did what he did when he lowered those nets and what that example might mean for you and me as we discover what it means to follow Jesus and to become his disciple. Now, in this series, we've established that at Trinity, we have discovered in the whole council of scripture that a disciple of Jesus is one who does what? He follows Jesus, but he also does what? Makes more disciples. And this is not something that's forced upon us. It's, it's something that's drawn out of us, encouraged, grown, and nurtured. We are called to replicate ourselves in faith. So a true disciple of Jesus is one who will replicate him or herself in the world by rubbing off on other people that faith and intrinsically creating more disciples. Take a look back at that story just for a moment. That's in Luke chapter five. And what we see as we kind of dive in, especially at the beginning of it, is this idea that uh, Jesus had come along at just a time when despair had set in, when there was no hope that there was gonna be any fish caught. And what happens to us often in life is we get to a point where we hit a brick wall with the circumstances of our lives, and it looks like nothing favorable is going to come through those circumstances. 
and we are tempted to do a certain thing. And here's how that pattern works. The pattern is just like uh, what is found in the scripture, particularly in Luke chapter 5 and verse 5, where the Bible says, Simon Peter answered, Master, we worked hard all night. We did something. And some negative result happened. We did something. We tried again in our failed marriage. We tried to work more hours and get more money. We tried for that promotion again and got passed over. We tried in our relationships with our kids at home and they screamed at us instead. We tried to build relationships with our friends and neighbors where we could share faith with them and they shut us down. And we get to a point where we are tempted in some form or fashion to quit and to back away from following Jesus. But then we gather back together like this and we follow Peter's example. When Peter did this, Peter says, but because you say so, not because it makes logical sense or not because it was proven by past experience or not because it's what I feel like doing. But because you say so, I'm going to lower those nets again. I'm going to try in my marriage again. I'm going to lead my kids again. I'm going to go back for that promotion again. I'm going to go back into therapy again. I'm going to go back again and again and again and try because Jesus says so. And under those circumstances, what we find happening, because God says so, we find ourselves trying things God's way, going back into a situation in faith, a situation that might look hopeless. What I'm going to submit to you today is that, yes, that takes faith, but it takes a particular style of faith. That style is commitment. And that's counting the cost of what it means to follow Jesus into the unknown You see, these disciples had all the evidence in the world that when they cast that net out again, what was going to happen? Absolutely zilch, zero, nada was going to happen. And yet because Jesus said so, they cared less about what the effect might be, but they cared more about following him and trusting in his word. And so the Bible says that they cast that net out there again, and so many fish came back. Such a contrast was made by Jesus. He wanted to make the message clear. And the message was, I want you to trust me. And in trusting me, I want to call for your commitment to me and my cause. I'm going to prove to you through the miracles that I am who I say I am. And then when I've got you to a point where I've got your heart, your heart is mine. We won't need those miracles anymore. All we need to do is get up every day and follow the Jesus that we love and that we care for. This was Peter. This was his story who really desperately wanted to follow Jesus in the real world. And he tried as hard as he could. Do you remember the story where Peter saw Jesus walking on the water? And Peter's like, Lord, if you're who you say you are, call me out onto the water. And what did Jesus do? Jesus is like, okay, step out of the boat. And what did Peter do? Stepped out of the boat. And what was he doing? He was walking on water. And then all of a sudden he realized he was walking on water. And what did he do? 
He looked down at the water he was walking on. And then what happened? He sunk. That's you and me every single day. We look at the circumstances in front of us and we look down at the water. And what do we do? We start to sink. But then the most beautiful part of that at all is where Jesus comes over and puts that hand out, grabs that hand. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we do what? We rise. This is you and me. This is you and me called forward in faith, called forward to one little step of commitment at a time. That's what faith is. Faith is little commitments. Have you ever thought about it that way? Faith is little commitments to Jesus where he calls us to trust him and to take one more step forward. Here at Trinity, we've developed a teaching tool on this idea we call the discipleship path. And last week, we kind of dived in a little bit. If you were at any of Trinity's sites last week, we discovered this idea of what an on-ramp was. And an on-ramp is where we throw a party, either at the church level, the global level here, or in our homes, and we invite people to come and just simply hang out with us with no religious agenda whatsoever. We simply show hospitality, show people what it means to be loved by God and received by him. And then after folks encounter these on-ramps, they often begin to wonder or ask the question, why would you do such a thing? Why would you treat me in your home and serve me a meal and open up your home to me? Why would you throw a Chinese New Year party? Why would you have a pumpkin party at the tech? Why would you show hospitality and open yourself up to me without asking for anything in return? And we can legitimately say, because we want to share with you what God has done for us. And that is, he has opened himself up to us through Jesus. This is just a small demonstration of that. But when people recognize the value of that and want to discover what it's like to be in God's family, to be in God's kingdom, then they begin to ask questions about what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be in the faith? How can I learn to pray? How can I hear God's voice? They begin to want to grow in their faith. And that's why we have small groups to help people get to where they can have conversation together and be led by the Holy Spirit to grow in their faith. But what happens is every single time, when we get from on-ramp into the next stage of discovering God, the thing that makes the difference between them is invitation. What it is, is we are led and taught and empowered to invite people to go to the next step on the path. So if there's someone that you encounter at the Chinese New Year party, at the pumpkin party at the tech, or in a party at your own home, which you can throw at any time, and yes, you can serve alcohol, or cake, or do things that other normal people do. Play music, dance if you like. Somebody should write a song about that. You can dance if you want to. Do what you do when you party. Share the hospitality of God that he has put in your heart. Share that. And then when someone is ready, extend the invitation to discover what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That invitation will always lead to a moment of commitment. When that person decides to receive and accept your invitation, they have committed to you that they're going to do what? That they're going to come. And it's just like we talked about last week. 
Jesus extends that invitation through hospitality, through cooking for people, through healing them and doing miracles, through hanging out and giving them of himself. He does that to set the pace for an invitation. The invitation will always come with Jesus. Come and see. And then that invitation leads ultimately to whether or not the person will commit to taking a step forward. Remember, we shared that faith is a series of little commitments, little commitments that God has captured our heart through as we learn to trust him progressively one step at a time. There's a scene in scripture where Jesus is washing feet. And I don't know if you guys remember the scripture, but there was a particular place where Jesus was down on his knees with a towel wrapped around him, washing the disciples' feet. And he said these words to them. He, uh, specifically after he washed uh, Peter's feet and the disciples around, he said, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, he said, you should also wash whose feet? One another's. He said, I've set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. And then he said these pivotal key words. Let these words sink in in the context of what we're talking about. In the idea of invitation and commitment. He said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you what? Think about them. Teach about them. Write books about them, have conferences about them, write songs about them. What did he say? Do them. You will be blessed if you do them. Now, it's not that you're going to be cursed if you don't do them. Jesus didn't say that. He said, if you will trust me and if you will serve each other and serve other people that I bring into your life, you're going to be blessed. And as you're blessed, you're going to be blessed beyond measure. Just like the number of fish that we're getting ready to break the nets out there on the Sea of Galilee. See, immeasurable blessing is tied to serving. This is where we have the opportunity to serve other people because we're out there amongst them. We're out there with people that God's placed in our life. That serving is tied to our going to being with people who God has placed in our life. That serving is tied inextricably to being there around them, to take the opportunity to be with them. This is tied to obedience, where we go back to the great commission. And Jesus says, all power on heaven and on earth has been given for me, given to me, he said. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then what did he say? Behold, I will be with you always. He promised to be in there, in that obedience. Why? Because Jesus was the first one to obey. Do you remember the season Jesus had in his life when he was headed to the cross? And he was at the garden of Gethsemane and he had a conversation with God. And he said, God, if it be your will, take this cup from me. But then what did he say? Not my will, but your will be done. And then what did he do? 
he obeyed his father. And where did that take him? To the cross. And then where did it take him? From the grave into the air. And to this very day, Jesus sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, and he prays for you and me. See, we don't say Jesus lived as if he's dead. We say Jesus lives. Jesus was the first one to obey his father. So he leads us in this. He leads us into little commitments. He leads us into little steps of faith, little steps forward that he calls us into where we need lesser and lesser evidence to see that there's going to be a physical outcome. We don't need as many miracles. We need simply Jesus. And he leads us forward one little commitment at a time, one little step at a time into greater and greater faith. Jesus has always and will always be about growth, about growing faith. And this is something that he does through those little commitments, those little steps forward, the idea that we are used of God to make more disciples. See, this is where you and I are tempted to step back and say, you know what? I tried to make a disciple last week and it totally blew up in my face. I met somebody for coffee and the coffee was too bitter and the kids were screaming in the background. And we never actually got to have a meaningful conversation about God because the person's cell phone was going off every 30 seconds. Everything just fell apart. So why should I go back and try that again? And Jesus simply says, trust me, go back and try again. Maybe after all that stuff goes away, that person will remember how you gently and calmly and patiently stayed with God through the chaos happening all around you and demonstrated for them what the peace of God is like. You see, that's what people need is peace with God. And that's what Jesus gives. We trust in him and we have peace that is everlasting and eternal. This is why Jesus says in a challenge, as he gets to the end of the story in Luke chapter five, he sees that they are fishing for fish. And then he comes along and says, I'm gonna make you fishers of people. I'm gonna take who you are right here, being fishers of fish, and I'm gonna flip that whole thing upside down and elevate it. And I'm gonna make you even more than what you are today. You're good at fishing for fish. You can throw your net out there and catch fish on any day except that one day where they caught nothing, right? You're good at that. You're good at fishing for fish. Now I'm gonna take what you're good at and I'm gonna turn that into a kingdom enterprise. I'm gonna take what you're good at and I'm gonna turn that into something that makes disciples of Jesus. And if you will trust me in this, then I will make that happen in such a way that you will be able to turn and point to me and say, look at what God did in my life. God is the one who made that happen. God is the one who took me to that next job. God is the one who healed my injury. God is the one who set that relationship up to heal. God is the one that brought my marriage back together. God is the one who brought peace to my household. God is the one who spoke and I listened and I followed 
I want to share with you today a tool that we've been using from the, uh, the last few months of, of discipleship training across Trinity. It's called our covenant. Now, if you've ever been the member of a church before, what does that typically mean to be a member of a church? That's where somebody stood up front, likely a pastor, and said, raise your hand if you want to be a member. And you raised your hand up and they said, okay, you're a member. And maybe they made you stand up and everybody clapped for you. And then maybe you went on to a list or a roster of members. But in a lot of cases, that really didn't come with a lot of commitment, did it? It mainly just came with the idea that you wanted to be identified with the church by name. That the church's name would be on you and you'd be an official member of a congregation. Back in the old days, we used to transfer memberships between churches. So if somebody left Trinity in Lyle and went to Trinity in Roselle, then the two offices would contact each other and they would transfer the membership from one to another. Well, we looked at that in the last couple of years and we said, that's not enough. We can make members of God's kingdom without doing any making of disciples. And then all of a sudden we found that people were just simply consuming church and showing up and not changing into the disciples that God called them to be or made them to be or equipped them to be. They simply became consumers. And so we looked at membership and said, no, that's not enough. What we need is a family whose members change. And here's what that looks like. There are seven core values that Trinity holds to. And the covenant, which I'm going to pass out in a few minutes so you can see. The covenant lists these seven family values. They include values like worshiping regularly, connecting through small groups, serving each other, being accountable to each other, being generous in God's kingdom, being subject to leadership and leading others, and also sharing our faith. Those are our seven uh, Trinity family values. What we're asking people to do is take a copy of this covenant, think and pray what those values mean in their lives, and then agree in a commitment with a signature and a date that's shared with your site pastor to grow together in those seven values. Here's what that might look like. If in the worship value, Someone only attends church on the two most important Christian days of the year. What are those? Christmas and Easter. If someone is a Christer and attends worship on Christmas and Easter, you can lovingly go to that person and say, God loves you and God loves me and we're no different in the eyes of God. Would you consider coming to worship with me once a quarter? And what would the church say to that? We would say, fantastic. You just doubled your church attendance. You just increased your church attendance by 100%. You're now at 200% capacity for the year. And then someone starts coming quarterly. You can go and invite them. Would you consider coming with me once a month? And what would we say? Fantastic. Or in generosity, what if someone has never given before and gives for the first time? What do we say to that? That's amazing. God be praised. Would you consider the idea of giving when you come once a quarter? You see where this is headed? It's the idea that none of us has those seven values perfected. 
But as a family, we bind together. We get together and share the idea of growing and making a commitment to each other where we put our names on it and date it and say, I'm going to commit together with my family to grow in these seven Jesus behaviors, these seven family values. And I'm going to let my church family help me in this and grow in this. Well, I have these covenants, a stack of them with me today, and I'm going to pass them out now and let you take a look at them. If you would like to look over the covenant today and sign it and give it back to me, that would be amazing. If you and I have met together in a discipleship visit, we talked about this covenant, you're ready to sign it, sign and date it, and I will do the same. And we will covenant together. Can you pass those out? Pass them down? Yeah. And if you're not ready, what am I going to say to that? I'm not going to say shame on you. I'm going to say, take the covenant home, think and pray on it. And remember what we talked about today. The idea that we grow as disciples who make disciples through little commitments, through little steps forward. So you may be looking at the idea of signing a covenant and get scared of that idea. You may be thinking about a legal contract that you once signed that went horribly wrong. And maybe you're thinking, if I sign the covenant and give it back, then the religious police at Trinity are going to come after me in white coats and batons and take me off to purgatory. This is not the case. Be not afraid, said Jesus, for I will be with you. You will not find a single thing on that covenant that Jesus has not led us in. In other words, you're going to find values in that covenant that God has put out before us and that Jesus has led us in. You'll see examples of Jesus using those behaviors to demonstrate the kingdom of God. So if you want to sign that covenant and give it back to me, I'll take it. If you're not ready to do that, take it home and pray over it and then bring it back to your site pastor. Bring it back to your small group leader who will then pass it to me. Think and pray on the idea that God has called us to together work together and grow together. Now, the reason we don't have a worship band today is because our fearless worship leader, Angus, <laughs> ran the Naperville half marathon this morning. He said hi, and he finished, probably had a really good time and got to wear a really cool hat as he was demonstrating that he had completed the marathon. Well, let me ask you a question. How much commitment does it take to complete a marathon? It takes a lot, doesn't it? What is most helpful when you're trying to complete a marathon? Training, right? And then also running with other people who want to complete the race as well. When you run with others, it makes your run easier because you have people in the field who can lift you up, who by the fact that they're simply there can encourage you. That's what this life of commitment is about. It's not about shaming you to giving your choices away. It's about rearranging your choices so that your life may become 
the abundant life Jesus died for and rose again for. That's what this life of little commitments is about. So as we close, as we consider the idea of being members of Trinity's family, think about where God has grown you as a part of the Trinity family thus far. Think about where your faith has grown from, how you've stretched, what next little commitments God has called you into. Sometimes that's simply letting the family of God come around you and bind together with you, join forces with you, run the race with you. If you want to be a part of that, then we would say welcome with the open arms and the open heart of Jesus because that's what this is all about. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us a family to grow in, a family who will challenge us, who will speak words of love and challenge, noting that you do that very same thing through your word every single day when we open it and receive it into our lives. God, I'll admit to you that I am tempted at times to try to do this faith thing alone, try to tackle it all on my own and be in charge of my own faith, sometimes even without you in the picture, as silly as that might sound. And God, I wanna release that to you now in the name of Jesus. I wanna be freed of the idea that I am on my own in this life and that I need to determine its course. I need to realize how much you love me, receive that message, and know that you go before me to lay the course ahead of me. Thank you for calling me to little steps of trust. I trust you now in whatever that next step might be that you've called me into. Let me be yours in whole heart. Let me show you by responding to your love that I want to follow you because you have given me the ability to do so.